You're listening to the awesome Podcast Network. This is 80s Revisited. I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley. And now, your host, Trey Harris. And here he is, America's newest rock and roll sensation, the California Kid, Richie Valens! Here's a bit of a rattlesnake. Obviously, he's singing that. Yeah. Actually, no, he's not. <laughs> Thankfully, Los Lobos is. Uh, although, strangely enough, Lou Don Phillips does have a band that he sings in, but none of them is his own singing in this film. Welcome back, everybody. Episode 148, I think of 80s Visited. I'm your host, Trey Harris. With me, as always, playing the drums, Jesse Sedgley. Yes, I am. And this week, it's, it's another first for 80s Visited. I'm not sure what the previous first I'm referencing was, but regardless, it is first. First episode. <laughs> yeah, the first podcast. First time First I... non-80s episode, hey. which has uh, happened. Yes, that's right. We had several of those. <laughs> Couple of those. Strangely enough, for a podcast on 80s Visited. <laughs> but it was always in good taste and good context, most importantly. Right. But that's right, our first bio film, as far as I can remember, because I, when I was thinking about that, I Send went back to our, to our 100 character battle, I'm like, okay, I'm pretty sure no real people fought in that, that I can uh, remember. So I didn't go back and check all 100 episodes, but I'm pretty yeah. sure it's our first bio <laughs> film. But anyway, again, unless you, Star Wars doesn't count just yet, because those deniers out there don't believe that it actually happened a long time ago. In the galaxy far, far away. Mm. But anyway, La Bamba, released July 24th, 1987. IMDb says 6.8. Rotten Tomatoes, 96% fresh from the critics. Holy moly. 78% on the audience. Uh, budget was estimated at 6.5. Opened at 5.6. Domestically went on to gross 54.2 million. Uh, couldn't find any worldwide stats, but it did gross an additional 24.3 on the rentals. Let's get right into it. The director was Louis Valdez, uh, no relation to Juan. Uh, he, the only other thing he really did was a couple of TV movies. One was called The Cisco Kid. That was about it. Uh, he also wrote this one as well as the aforementioned Cisco Kid. Uh, didn't really do much after that. Uh, after this, this was his, pretty much his biggest thing that he ever did, as far as that goes. However, this did launch, although it wasn't his first film, but it did help launch the career of Lou Diamond Phillips as a leading, uh, his first leading role in a film as young Richie Valens. Uh, of course, he went on to do Young Guns 1 and 2, uh, Bats, from the uh, early 2000s, which is actually a pretty funny movie, worth watching once. Mm. And also him, and he and Keith Sutherland reunited outside of Young Guns for Renegades, which played <laughs> a shit ton on USA. Wow. I think I, I really think USA, that was their go-to movie if they had just, we need to, you got anything lined up for you know, the 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock block? Nah, play Renegades. Cool, bro. <laughs> it, it was on all the time for a period uh in the 90s and everything, that Renegades was just on all the time. For whatever reason, I guess somebody at USA really liked it, or maybe they got it really cheap, you know, the, the TV rights, and played the hell out of it. Who knows? Not me. Uh, Asai Morales is, plays Bob Morales, no relation to himself. Uh, he was also in Free Jack, and the Polly Shore, Shore classic in the Army now. 
ha ha, wink wink. Uh, but he also did a lot of TV. Uh, so he's, he's a working actor. Uh, Rosanna DeSoto was Connie Venezuela, Richie's mom. She was also in Star Trek VI and Stand and Deliver, which also starred Lou Diamond Phillips. Uh, Elizabeth Pena was Rosie. Uh, she was in Rush Hour, uh, Jacob's Ladder, an underrated film that... Uh, look that up real quick. On what? Oh, nine. Damn it. I was going to say it could be a contender for this year's Halloween Horror Month, but it's in 1990. Jacob's mm, Ladder, that Jacob's is. Ladder, yeah. And also she was uh, one of the voices in The Incredibles. Uh, and that's the thing I mostly remember about her is just her voice. She has a very distinct voice, which even a younger version of her here, as opposed to uh, Rush Hour or uh, Incredibles, you can definitely, like, I know that voice. I know that voice. Uh, but she's done a lot of stuff as well. And Joe Pantoli. 55. Yeah, years old. Mm. Nope. How, that's how many credits it was? No, no, no. She died at age 55. Oh, wait. She, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. She died? Yeah. I totally missed that when I was looking at that. I thought you said 155, and I thought you were looking at her, her <laughs> acting credits. No. So then I was trying to make a joke that she was 155. Holy shit. Our condolences. I, I honestly did not know that. Kind of shocked. Didn't think she was dead. That's sad. Sad. Very sad. Uh, anyway, uh, Joe Pantaleone was Bob. Uh, most notably, he's that bastard cipher from The Matrix who betrayed everybody and killed a lot of good people. Uh, but also uh, the Ben Affleck daredevil, where he wore a beanie and was a hotshot reporter who... Was terrible in that movie. <laughs> when he was, although he wasn't the worst thing in that movie, he was pretty bad in that film. Hmm. But also, let's not forget, he was also one of the brothers in The Goonies before he went totally bald. Hmm. Uh, and then Brian Setzer played Eddie Cochran. Uh, of course, Brian Setzer of Stray Cats, Brian Setzer Orchestra. Marshall Crenshaw played Buddy Holly in this. Uh, Marshall Crenshaw's a, mainly a musician. Uh, he did, has a lot of music credits, uh, such as Mr. Deeds and Baby Mama, but he also wrote... The number one hit single from Dewey Cox, Walk Hard. Walk Hard. People ask me, Dewey, why you gotta walk so hard? <laughs> that's, a, that's a great film if you haven't seen it. Obviously, never to be covered on this podcast, but I think that right. is an underrated spoof on Walk the Line. That film, that film I, I love Johnny Cash. And I thought jo- <laughs> jo- 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 Joaquin Phoenix did a great job as Johnny Cash, yeah. as did Reese Witherspoon in Walk the Line. But Walk Hard is a better movie than Walk the Line. <laughs> Walk Hard is hilarious. Tim Meadows is so great in that film. Tim Meadows can't carry a movie by himself, but I'll be damned if he's not one he's of the funniest supporter. supporter. Yeah. His character in that film just cracks me up every time. Hey, man, what are you doing in there? This is crack cocaine, Dewey. You don't want to do this. It'll make you feel like you're flying and all this other stuff. He's like, actually, it kind of, I, that makes, makes me feel like I really do want to do it. It's a recurring joke in the film, but it's fantastic yeah. and uh, I almost said Tim Bridgewater. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tim Meadows is just phenomenal in that film. Wow. But anyway, anyway which that is re- it's relevant because it's referencing, it's parroting a movie of a, a biopic of a real-life rock star, and we're talking about La Bamba, which in a two-sentence synopsis is, the, is a film about young Richie Valens, his meteoric rise to fame, and his meteoric fall to earth in a plane crash. Mm. Too soon? I don't think so. It's been a long time. But we'll talk more about that in the mm. Back to the Future segment. But anyway... Uh, I, I, as a child, or in the 80s, I should say, 1987, I didn't like this movie. I fucking loved this soundtrack. Wow. I distinctly remember, I never even heard La Bamba, the song La Bamba before, but the trailer and just the advertising, I heard that song in the, in the trailer, and like, I just loved that song as a seven-year-old. I would go around, 
you know, I, I can my, mimic all the words to La Bamba. I didn't know what he actually said. Never <laughs> did until recently, as a matter of fact, which you're, everybody's going to get a Spanish lesson before this podcast is over. Sure. So I'll just be like, uh, la, 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 La Bamba, you know, as a seven-year-old, and just not even knowing the words, just mimicking the sounds. Right. And in fact, uh, when I was listening to the soundtrack recently, after watching the film, I was like, wow, you must have been practicing Spanish. Like, no, baby, I'm just miming the words. I don't even know what he's saying. <laughs> and then later that day, I looked it up, found the correct translation. So now I sing it the correct way. In do you? Bad English English. Okay. So, you know. Because I can't even do that. Well, maybe by the end of this podcast, in a little segment we like to call Learning Spanish with Trey on 80s Revisited. Uh. It's, it's first and probably only time it'll ever appear on an episode. There you go. But anyway, so yeah, I distinctly remember like seeing the trailer and then seeing the cassette soundtrack at Walmart. And back then, cassettes, that's when the cassettes would be sold in the big, long, white plastic things to prevent theft. Mm-hmm. And uh, I saved my <laughs> allowance money. I think the cassette was like $14.99 back in the Crazy. day. And you know, a lot of money in 1987 for a, a seven-year-old who really doesn't get an allowance. So... You know, it took me a while to save up. Finally, saved up, bought the soundtrack, wore the tape out as I was mowing grass. Uh, you know, on my Sony Walkman <laughs> or my boombox, as we called them back in the day. <laughs> but yeah, I I just love this soundtrack. And when I finally saw the movie, I was like, eh. <laughs> then went back to the soundtrack. <laughs> but it should be noted, all the music in the soundtrack is not the original versions of these of the of the songs they're based upon. Uh, you got several Richie Valen songs, such as Donna, Come On, Let's Go, Ooh, My Head, uh, and of course, La Bamba. And they're all, all of the Richie Valen songs in the films are done by uh, Los Lobos, uh, which, you know, we, I've ranted many times on the podcast how I don't like film remakes, for the most part. 90% of them are garbage. There are some good ones. The Thing, The Fly, there's some good ones out there, but they're, they're few and far between. However, song remakes are a totally different animal, in my opinion. Most of the time, a lot of the time, artists that are, uh, let me phrase that, 50-50. Because usually mm. there's people like Limp Biscuit who are remaking a song to cash in, <laughs> and that their biggest hit is a cover. But then there's people like Johnny Cash covering Hurt, who taking a, you know, I can't tell you which version of that song I like better. Mm. Like, because, you know, when I'm like, wow, Johnny Cash is actually covering... Johnny Cash covered a lot of songs in his career. But, I mean, you know, Johnny Cash singing Hurt, and then you hear it, and it's like, holy shit. I just feel like I want to die because the song's so good. And it's incredibly, incredibly depressing. More depressing when he yeah. sings it than Trent Reznor sings it. I agree. Which, because even... even it, was, it was telling, because even Reznor said, like, you know, he was... Like, that's his song now. Oh, like wow. Because he, he... Like, I mean... Because you have, you know, you know, when you listen to Reznor's version, that's a young man singing that song. Yeah. It means a whole different thing. But then when somebody sings that song at the end of their life, which it literally was the end of his life, his mm-hmm. wife died a few months after that, and he followed shortly after. Totally same, you know, he changes one word in the song, two words in the song, and, you know, he leaves out, or no, he, t- he changes one, he changes uh, crown of shit to uh, crown of thorns. Thorns, yeah. Which he only changed, but I mean, just the difference... Not not in talent, but just in ex- world experience, so to speak, and a lifetime of experience seeing that song make it a whole different thing. But back on track, uh, song uh, remakes, they can there's a 50, 50 shot roughly that it can either be really good or it's gonna suck. I don't that they just you know they're just covering it for the wrong reason. Uh, Los Lobos was heavily influenced by Richie Valens, 
So now they're covering songs that they grew up on and in actually play uh, the R- Richie Valens version of La Bamba. We opened with the Los Lobos version from the movie. The, but, oh, the original Richie Yeah, Richie Valens. Valens version. But when you hear his version from the 50s, uh, it's, it's not the same. Like, but what I'm getting at is these, the versions on the soundtrack, with the exception of the... Even, well, even including the Buddy Holly song. Well, this is Richie Valens, the real one. So, again, 19, this is a 1950s recording. Yeah. But then if you listen to the Los Lobos version, it's, just, you know, it's the same song, but it's just, I don't know, it packs more of a punch, so to speak. Gets me excited to try to dance the bomba, which I can never, ever do, because I, A, don't know what it, how to dance it, and B, I'm, I'm incredibly uncoordinated. But this is... Los Los Lobos. Already it's a little more rock, like, you know, a little distortion. Although I don't think it's best to open with the plane crash <laughs> it was of the video rough. when you're singing, you know, it's, it's, it reminds me of that scene of Con Air where he's talking about Sweet <laughs> It's like, you're singing a song made famous by a guy who died in a plane crash. Save that right, for the ending. And right when the beat hits to all. go into the song, they show a plane crash. <laughs> okay. But yeah, as you can see, I mean, of course, this is a studio version from 1987 as opposed yeah. to recording in 1950 so the audio quality is a big difference between them but this is the version that I grew up on but again they're, they had reverence for Richie Valens and Richie Valens it should be noted was the first uh, Latin, Latin uh, rock and roll star mm. you know and, 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 and keep in mind too even though Lou Diamond Phillips is like I think uh, 25 years old in this film the real Richie Valens was 16 yeah, when this wow. was going on and died when he was 17 17 years old, two number one, not, I mean, not number one hits, two top ten hits, and then dies in a plane crash. So, I mean, and he mm. had, he, when you want to look at a meteoric career, like Richie Valens literally had it. The dude was going to high school was, and was having number one hits on the radio and then went on, you know, one of his few tours that he did and that was the end of it. But more on that, on the real story, a little bit later. But anyway, yeah, when I, when I actually saw this movie after watching it, I, w- I was more into when the music started. Like, get to the music, get to the music. I just want to see the music. I wanted to see them do the soundtrack from the cassette in the film. That being said, revisiting it now, having not listened to any of the soundtracks since I was a kid and I lost the tape or it broke or wore out, whatever happened to it, I don't even know. Uh, so kind of pretty much watching it almost for the first time simply because it's, it had been so long. Yeah. And uh, as far as like biographies go and to be perfectly honest there's really not much to work with here simply because again the kid died when he was 17 you know and it's only really kind of chronicling his really quick rise so uh watching it now it really focuses a lot on his brother or half brother i should say the movie's almost more about his half brother dealing with his brother being successful than it is about richie valance uh it's about half and half but i mean as i'm watching like okay it seems like there should be more about Richie because the movie's about him. Although his stepbrother plays a big part. He looks and, older dude, than 17. I was about to say, when I was looking up real pictures of the real Richie Valens, and if you haven't seen what he really looks like, Google it. The dude doesn't look 17. He looks 30 or 40. Look under his eyes and everything. Yes, yeah, sir. 17. Unless they added that just for you know, just to do it. He, in every picture I've seen of the guy, he doesn't look young at all. That dude, one, he kind of looks young. Like the black and whites. That, that that's the too. Wikipedia entry, and that one looks like a kid. Yeah. Uh, his what Wikipedia thing? Uh, Wikipedia like entry. But picture. his album cover. 
Looks like he's running for the Senate. And also, oh, and think about this. Yeah, he does. Like, vote for yeah, me. Vote for Richie. But uh, Rich, none of his albums even came out while he was alive. He had singles, record Crazy. singles. None of the albums came out till post. They were all posthumously released. Mm, excuse me. But anyway, revisiting the movie now, mm. it's not a bad film, but it's not like it's not great. It's it's. Mm, excuse me. Sorry. Uh, there's some bad acting that pops its head up every now and then, but. It, it stays on track. It's not too long. It doesn't get too boring. But, you know, it just... Unfortunately, just because... Again, the guy, the guy died when he was 17. There's not... You know, you're telling a meteoric rise. There wasn't time for drugs to set in or any kind of drama with him because he was... He, he died so soon into his career. His main goal as a musician was to buy a house for his mother, which is in the film, and that is accurate. He did... He wanted to buy her a house more than anything because mm. he came from a poor family. So he went from you know, dirt poor to the fast track to success. Bought his mom a house and then all too soon, uh, not to be crude, but his star fell. For yeah. like, and even though they, make, they almost make that, Buddy, Buddy Holly, played by Marshall Crenshaw in the film, makes that analogy or makes a reference to that right before, as they're boarding the plane that kills everybody. Like, hey man, the sky belongs to the stars. Yep, and stars fall, unfortunately. Uh, but uh, again, like the soundtrack is still phenomenal. And the movie, it you know, it, it was done for fairly cheap for the most part. But again, they didn't really work with. They didn't really need much of a budget for a lot of it because maybe it just set uh, decorating a set or so for uh, the performance numbers and so to speak. But ay ay ay, there's a storm happening. But you guys uh, can hear that. If you have never seen it, I would recommend doing a double feature: watch La Bamba and then watch the Buddy Holly story, which is 1978. So I couldn't do it on the podcast. Uh, Kind of do a twofer with the tying together the day the music died altogether. Oh, but mm. the Buddy Holly, Holly story stars Gary Busey as Buddy Holly in an Oscar-nominated role, by the way. And by comparison, he does his own singing and guitar playing in that film. So if Buddy Holly story is a little bit better than La Bamba, <laughs> I recommend it over La Bamba simply because it's just a better movie and it's more entertaining. Uh, but they're, they're good to watch you know, together. In fact, here's a great weekend or weeknight for you or whatever day you want a movie. Watch these two and then YouTube the behind the music on the day the music died to get the true story. So you get to watch the, the two uh, movie you know, uh, based on a true story movies and then get the real story told by the surviving people and people that knew those uh, people best. But uh, anyway, yeah, uh, I would get the sound. You know, the soundtrack is a huge part of my childhood, but the movie itself... Not quite uh, so much, simply because... That sounds lovely. Yep. <laughs> uh, just because I watched it once and was like, oh, okay. But as an adult, it does hold up in terms of a movie. It's not a bad movie. It's just like, you know, it's, it's about as good as Walk the Lawn. Walk the Lawn's a good movie, but it's not like I'll, I'll watch it again, you know. Hmm. Not for, you know. I'll, I'll listen, I'll, I've listened to the sh- uh, ton of this, uh, listened to the, the Walk the Lawn soundtrack a ton with all of Joaquin's versions of Johnny Cash songs and all the other stuff. You know, fantastic soundtrack as well. Uh, but I really don't need to watch the movie again. Put it to you that way. Uh, still well done. I mean, the director, he's not, not, the direction's nothing special. But uh, Lou Diamond Phillips is fantastic. Uh, Isai Morales, he has some scenes that are, cr- I'm just like, eh. But he has some really good scenes as well. And both uh, DeSoto and Elizabeth Pena do uh, fantastic as their roles. I mean, they're, don't have much screen time, but they're very good. When it all comes together, the movie does have a very kind of 50s feel to it. They really kind of captured, I guess, the time period, uh, so to speak. 
Uh, and again, the music. More, more than anything, the music's phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, that's why I recommend the soundtrack over the original versions of these songs. Although uh, there's only uh, the soundtrack doesn't have any songs by the Big Bopper. Doesn't have Chantilly Lace or anything. Has one Buddy Holly, Buddy Holly song, which is Crying, Waiting, Hoping, which is honestly better than Buddy Holly's version, in my opinion. Just the, the arrangement is different. And then Brian Setzer covers Eddie Cochran's Summertime Blues. So that's a fantastic version on the soundtrack as well. So hi, uh, get to the scores in a bit, but soundtrack I'd recommend more than the movie if, for your time. Because you can listen to it in your car. You can listen to it anywhere. Yeah. I've, been, I've been jamming to it since I watched the film, to be absolutely honest. Hmm. When I was pulling up, I was listening to, well, I made a playlist of Buddy Holly and everything for the time just to get into the movie. Jesus, man. Yeah, that's a storm. Yeah, 40 days. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, Richie Valens was so attacked. His, fa- his surviving family, which at the time of the film was being filmed, included both his mom and his sister, they became so attached to Lou Diamond Phillips that when he was shooting the scene where he gets on the airplane, they begged him not to get on. Like, they were just... They, that's, that, that part broke them down to where they saw him as... like they, hmm. It was like they were actually seeing that moment for real for them. Yeah. Uh, and they broke down and like uh, in fact his sister Richie Valens sister uh, just hugged him and just started bursting into tears when they filmed the coin toss scene right outside the plane same same day yeah uh, more into that later if you don't know that story about the coin toss in history but uh, she just broke down and hugged and wouldn't let him go just hugged him and was crying profusely uh, with Lou Diamond Phillips just saying why did you get on the plane why did you get on the plane just hit her hard and wow. that to lead the set so they can film the scene Someone but get in, Lou a new shirt. <laughs> well, luckily it was snowing at the time, so okay. they could just say, oh, it's melted snow or whatever. Right. Uh, and now in the film, like when I first saw this film, I thought this was complete drama, kind of like in Dragon, the Bruce Lee story, how they have that whole th- that plot line about the demon that haunted his father's dreams, yeah, infected yeah. his son's dreams. For dr- That's totally dramatic bullshit. Sure, sure. I thought this whole plane crash thing that Lou da- uh, Richie Valens, as a kid, sees this plane crash happened and then like that's why he was scared of flying uh, no that actually happened in this film wow it's se- and it seems you know uh morbidly poetic that he was terrified of flying and he does die in a plane crash mm-hmm. uh but in 19 uh a 1957 plane crash at richie valens school which is uh referenced in the film it occurred over the san fernando valley a dc-7 and an f-89 jet crashed into each other Right over the school, the two planes broke up in the air, and the DC-7 plummeted from the sky onto the playground of, uh, I'm going to butcher this name, Pacoma Junior High School. However, Richie Valens wasn't at school that day. He was at a funeral, but several of the students and people he knew, uh, let me see, uh, were so, uh, the crew of the, uh, doesn't have the exact number of the students killed, but the entire plane crew were killed. Several students were killed on the playground, wow. and 74 more students were injured. It was this plane crash that caused Valens to have a lifelong fear of flying. So that Jeez, is... he wasn't even there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just the thought of it. But yeah, yeah. I mean, especially, and then, again, again... When, it could have been there. Keep in mind, everything that we talk about on this podcast, this is about a movie in 1957. This is 10 years out of World War II, before the 60s, before Kennedy's assassinated. Mm. You know, this is, you know, Americana right here. What you're, you know, so... Air travel is still a new thing. That's when this. In fact, when you see the film, when you see the interiors of the plane, it's like wow, they had big seats back. Then. I'm not sure how accurate that is, but like, you know, it's a funny comparison to today's standards. Yeah. So all you youngins listening, and we're and honestly, when we're talking about this. We're all youngins in that reference, talking about something <laughs> that occurred in the 50s, uh, late 50s. But regardless, like, uh, like we've talked about before, Jesse, I think our generation, me and you, you know, Generation X, we're really kind of a. Well, I guess I'm Generation X. You're 
depending on who's generation next. Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, on that, on that transition verge between kind of the old and the new, uh, lost generation, so to speak, in terms of, we know what it was like to not have all these technologies, but we also know how to handle, how to operate the new technologies where our parents, most people's parents, uh, are like, Hey, uh, do you know how to, can you fix my computer, son? Like, yes, ma'am. But I can also know about World War II and Pearl Harbor and all that kind of stuff. But I also can deal with the modern, modern, modern uh, the uh, items of modern, modern. I can never say that damn word. Oh, you're. Modern, 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 fuck. I cannot say, I can, literally cannot say this word right now. What is it? Mod, modernity. Modern, ugh, I, I cannot say that word right now. Well, which one? Modernity. Modern. <laughs> I, see, I'm making an ass of myself because I can't get that word out. I've said it like once. And I can't fucking say it. I don't know what you're trying to say, though. It, the word modern, I-T-Y after it. Modern itty. Modern. I can't. I keep fucking up. But uh, anyway, enough of that. Enough of my bad grammar. But generation... Oh, you, you want modern. <laughs> Modernity. Modernity. See, I'm saying it too much like modern. Okay, get this thing to pronounce it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, You're also part of Generation Y that I saw. Oh, wait, here we go. Modernity. See, modern. Modernity. 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 Okay, there we go. Now I got it. It's in my head. Instead of modernity. Modernity. I don't know what I was trying to fucking say. Modernity. It's not a common word, to be fair. It's not. I try to... Modernity. Modernity. Mo- modernity. See, I was trying to say like modern... Modernity. Modern. Mo- modernity. It's That's no, your English lesson mo. for the day. It's ma. Or, I mean, yeah, I guess. I'm looking Most people say modern. modern. Modernity. Modern. Not modernity. Modern. There it is. Modernity. Modern. Modernity. <laughs> Enough of this. People are getting... Already switched the channel. Yeah. <laughs> we can talk about it later. Modern. No, Sorry. I can't speak Modernity. English sometimes. Which it also should be noted that the my Autumn was like, as we're watching, she's like, this dude can't speak Spanish. Like, no, Richie Valens didn't speak Spanish. He wasn't from Mexico. Wow. He was born in the San Fernando Valley. And, you know, so that's why there he was. He wrote Spanish songs. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I mean, La Bamba was the first Spanish language song ever to chart on American, yeah. on the American charts. And it was just a folk song that he knew. In fact, he didn't even know how to say He was much like me. He didn't know how to say the words. He just <laughs> learned them phonetically to record it and to perform it. That's fine. So uh, some, it's, it's really funny because when you about this movie is that a lot of the stuff that you would think would be a fabrication for the film to add dramatic stuff, as minor as it is, except the fact of a plane crashing over a playground and scarring somebody for life, it actually happened. I just jerked out my headphones because I that hasn't. Well, you can keep talking. <laughs> I'm still talking. I just plug it in so I can. There we go. Technical and grammatical difficulties abound. And the storm on this and everything. Just, it's the weather. My joints, my joints don't work in the weather. I'm don't clumsy. fly a plane home. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Everything's going wrong. That should be noted too that Richie Valens' actual real life mom, Connie Valenzuela, because they shortened his name to Valens because they didn't think anybody would buy a record by somebody named somebody by Richie Valenzuela. That's another story for another time. Uh, at the first family party in the film, the uh, old lady sitting by Richie is his mom, the real-life Richie Valens' mom. However, she actually died October 18th, 1987, at the age of 72, only three months after the film actually came out. Ooh. But she made it in the movie. And her and Richie are both buried uh, in adjoining plots in uh, somewhere in, I think, San Fernando, somewhere, or some, in, somewhere in California. 
but they share a gra- not share a grave, but they uh, share a headstone, but uh, two plots, obviously. Mm. Uh, the, in the film, the scene where uh, Richie and his brother go to Tijuana, uh, the group playing the folk version of La Bamba in the club is, in fact, Los Lobos, who do all the Richie Valens songs for the film. And if you, uh, the one who does the singing voice for Richie, uh, for Lou Diamond Phillips in the film, David Hidalgo, he's the guitar player next to the bass player in that scene. Uh, he's the one actually doing the singing. Uh, the Cowboy Palace in Chatsworth, California, which is where my brother actually lives. I'm going to have to look that up next time we go there. Was where Richie Valens, in the scene, he was nervous about playing in front of the uh, kind of the cowboy bar, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously called the Cowboy Palace. Uh, the bar is still in business, and the actual bar was used in the film. So that's historically accurate, that scene taking place in the exact same spot the actual event is depicting took place. Uh, uh, As I mentioned before, Richie Valens died when he was 17. However, Lou Diamond Phillips was, he was played by Lou Diamond Phillips, who was 25 years old. And Marshall Crenshaw, who played a 22-year-old Buddy Holly, was 33. Hmm. So, you know, we talked about it before with the ScarJo and thing and Ghost in the Shell. When's it going to get to age? You know, they couldn't find a 22-year-old. They couldn't find a 17-year-old to do this. Ageism. Exactly. If you want to play that card, you can play that card too. I do not. Good, because it's all <laughs> stupid. It's just it silly. I, and, and our, and I, I can't speak for Jesse, but it's in my opinion, it's just ridiculous. It's a movie. But that's for some political podcast that's not on the Awesome Podcast Network. So everything's cool and lighthearted here. But anyway, <laughs> uh, Rosanna DeSoto, was only, who played the mom, uh, was only 12 years older than Lou Diamond Phillips, who played her children. Uh, the original title of the film was Let's Go, based, of course, on the Richie Valens hit, Come On, Let's Go. Mm. Although, La Bamba, I think it's a little more distinctive, and you say, let's go, nobody's going to know what the hell you're talking about. Yeah, I agree. Whereas La Bamba, like, oh, what's that? And then you have the song in the film, so you get the older people that remember growing up with that, like, oh, yeah, I remember that song, I heard it in forever. And the younger people like me were like, wow, I like that song, that sounds great. Come seven-year-old, have no idea what music is at this point. And when I got the soundtrack and listened to some 50s rock and roll all the time, but anyway, hmm. uh, so there you go. That's some of the behind-the-scenes behind stuff and uh, some of the trivia on the movie La Bamba. But now, uh, as I watch this film, like I said, the soundtrack really, for a period of my young life of a seven-year-old, was like I listened to it over and over and over and over again. Really, really just love the soundtrack and still do. Uh, a lot of great songs on it. Uh, so as I, after I watched the movie, I was like, okay, I need to find the real story. Like, I mean, I, always, I knew the real story. Big, uh, body, uh, Big Bopper, Buddy Holly, Richie Valens go to a plane after show, plane crashes. Uh, but I, uh, after watching La Bamba, I went and rewatched the Buddy Holly story because I hadn't seen it in years since my mom watched it on TV and I watched it with her and completely forgot it was Gary Busey in it. Who, you know, if, if, Gary Busey is famous because of that film. Like, that's why he got other roles because of his acting in that film, which he never reached those heights again <laughs> in terms of like quality. But okay, I was going to say, he's, uh, he's definitely made a mark on people. Oh, yeah, I mean, oh, he, I mean, that's not, when I think of him, I still think of, you know, uh, Lethal Weapon or, uh, of course, just I'm with Busey because that show's phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, and, he, I mean, again, don't worry, he did a lot of other stuff, but, I mean, this is a young and hungry actor, Gary Busey, in this role, doing his own singing, his own performing, and got an Academy Award nomination of it. And I believe, I can't remember who he lost to. I looked it up, but I forgot. It was some big role other person um, he was in he like he wouldn't have won like he was stacked uh, De Niro was nominated for the Deer Hunter that year uh, Lawrence Olivier was nominated for something else so it was a uh, it was a I can't remember who won but I mean it was a a lot of fantastic performances were nominated that year let's find uh, out 
Because I definitely can. Wikipedia, uh, 1980, right or 79. Oh, there it is. Oh, John Voight for Coming Home, which I've never seen. But I mean, here's the other people nominated against him were Warren Beatty. Uh, and like I said, the year for the Deer Hunter, which that's the year so Defoe. 23. I mean, uh, not Defoe. Uh, wait, uh, Christopher Walken. I mean, I'm sorry. I got my creepy actors mixed up. Uh, one, that's when he won his Oscar for the Deer Hunter. Because mm. if you haven't seen the Deer Hunter, believe me, after that 45 minutes of a wedding scene, it gets really fucked up and good. Mm. Uh, but it's a, that's a movie you'll, you'll watch once, and you're good. One, time, one and out. Oh, we all got tornado warnings on our phones. Oh, that's what that is. Hmm. Well, luckily, I, your house you're is exceptionally <laughs> stable with <laughs> yes. its brick, I mean, uh, concrete walls. And yeah, we're good. We're pretty safe. Actually, I should be more worried about my wife and my apartment <laughs> in your, on the bottom floor. In your paper-made apartment. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, but the real story. Uh, well, bottom floor, you'll be all right. Uh, most people, when if you if you know about this, you know about it either because your you know your parents might have known about it, or uh, you knew about Buddy Holly and uh, Richie Valens. You might have heard about it, or you, most likely you've probably heard the song "American Pie," which is that song, not the movie franchise, which has which has nothing to do with any of these talented individuals that we're about to talk about. Uh, anything to do with the song, or much less the actual event it was based on. Uh, but anyway. Uh, it happened February 3rd, 1959. Uh, it crashed shortly after takeoff near Clear Lake, Iowa. Uh, call, uh, it was the, the day is it's known as the day the music died because of the song, not the other way around. The song is about that plane crash, but it has nothing to do with you know the verbiage in it in terms of the title or uh, the day the music died. Had nothing it was referencing it, but the song is what made that event now called considered the day the music died in history. Mm. Uh, and there was an urban legend that the plane was called American Pie, which is why the song was named American Pie. Completely untrue. So if you heard that, it's bullshit. Yeah. Fact checker right here for you. Snopes. But anyway, as I mentioned, uh, Richie Valens, when he died, he was, he was 17 in the crash. Buddy Holly was 22. I didn't write the big bopper's age down, but I think he was a little bit older. But uh, his first album didn't release after his death, and his Richie Valens' first album only, uh, it peaked at number 23. But he, the singles were on the top 10. Uh, but the album didn't get any much further than 23. Uh, let's see. Uh, the plane crash was considered due to pilot error. It was in, during a snowstorm. Uh, to give you some background on it, was they were doing it was called the Winter Dance Party Tour or something. Mm-hmm. And the sad thing is, all of these uh, back again. This is 1957. Radio is king. Uh, very few people have televisions, or, or televisions are just now becoming a very popular mean means of uh, you know that. Uh, so radio's your big thing, and musicians aren't, it ain't like today, where just you can make a song and it's on the internet in 10 minutes after it uploads, sure. you, know, you know, whatever. Immediately out for consumption. You know, people had to listen to the radio to catch a song. They had to buy a record. They had to have a record player. You couldn't listen to records in your car, because you're going on the road and you hear bump, boom, skip, skip. There were no car record players. Well, there were some, but they weren't popular. I'm sure that, yeah. <laughs> so, you know... These guys, uh, all of them were not necessarily broke, but they were all on this tour because they needed the money. They were pushing the records because you had the tour to get those record sales pushed in addition to radio play. It was, touring was a huge part of the cycle of being a musician back in the day. And it wasn't easy. It's not like today where they have jet, you know, uh, Boeing jets out the country with the blueberries still connect. It ain't like that. It yeah. wasn't like that at all back then. It was, it was a hard life to be a musician at this time uh, in history. Uh, they were all un- 
it's and that's and that's part of the tragedy. They were all on this tour because they they needed the money, they needed to push it to get record sales. Buddy Holly had a kid on the way. Big Bopper had a kid on the way. Richie Valens was 17. He had a girlfriend and a family waiting for him back home. Young kid, not even out of high school yet. Uh, but it was and the pilot too was a young guy. But uh, it's believed that it was due to uh, pilot error and inexperience flying in that type of weather, and a, uh, a phenomena or not a phenomena, but a condition called spatial disorientation. I think is the name of it. To where because remember, when you're flying, you're like in outer space. Every, you know, unless uh, you know how to read your instruments or you can visually see what you're going, or, excuse me, when you can't see because the weather's so bad, how do you know you're not headed straight to the ground? Because you have to be able to read your instruments. And they believe that the pilot was inexperienced reading the certain instruments that he needed mm. for flying in those conditions. And instead of, he believed he was climbing, he was actually descending. Oh. So, straight into the ground. And this crap, like, if you, you can, uh, on the Wikipedia article today, The Music Died, you can see some, uh, they have a, one or two pictures of the crash, but you can just Google it. And imagine, I mean, you can see a picture of the plane, and then imagine crumbling a piece of tinfoil. That's what the fucking plane looks like after this wreck. Uh, it crashed, they, I think they believe it crashed pretty much nose first, and then rolled like 500 feet. All three, pa- uh, the three musicians were ejected. The pilot had to be pried out of the wreckage. Uh, in fact, some of the pictures, not to be morbid, but uh, some of the pictures of the time, you, they show the bodies in the snow, like just right. It basically it stopped rolling because it hit a fence, and that's what kind of ejected everybody, I guess. Mm. Uh, but it's and then uh, they weren't even found till the next day. Uh, the plane cra- crashed, and uh, the airport lost contact with it. But the weather was so bad, they flew. Once the weather kind of cleared, and they could see the guy who owned the airfield flew to kind of see what happened, fearing the worst, obviously. Found the crash, so out four, five or six hours had passed since the actual crash. You know, light misting of snow had covered everything. Uh, obviously, no survivors. Everybody, uh, they believe everybody died instantly, which is you know, a small mercy in that uh, in that instance. But yeah, uh, three lives, and there's really no equivalent to like to give an example of if those if, like examples of three people today who died because this is so so early in rock and roll. Elvis was just getting big. Uh, the Beatles had not even released their first single yet, I believe, in terms of a record deal. Uh, so, I mean, this is, early, this is early, early rock and roll. So, this would, this is, it's uncomparable to something happening today. Unless, I don't, I, I honestly, I thought about it for a long time. I can't think of anything to compare it to today. But Funny this, thing is, if you took the three biggest pop stars, some people would be happy about that. Nobody would give a shit. Right. Except, I guess, Beyonce. That would be sad. Yeah. But, I mean, you throw Bieber Bieber and, and, uh, I don't know who else, Katy Perry. Uh, One of those is a loss uh, between (laughs) Beyonce. Right. Those three. But, I mean, this this is not even comparable to that because, and, you know, always heard about it. You know, obviously knew the story going in, even as a kid, when my mom told me about what happened and, you know, watching La Bamba as a kid and then re-watching these movies recently, but actually researching it, watching some documentaries. Uh, can't give enough praise to the VH1 behind the music, just go, uh, YouTube, The Day the Music Died. The audio is terrible because I think they recorded off VHS, but just turn your TV up loud and the hissing goes away after a while. Hmm. But anyway, the true story, it's... I'm surprised there isn't a movie just about that night because of the event, everything that led these three people to this to get on that plane is... It's crazy. Uh, but anyway, getting to that, uh, the whole part in the film where they do the coin toss that determines whether or not Richie Valens is going to be on the plane, 100% true. Except it wasn't done at the plane. It was done at the surf ballroom uh, out, uh, which, where they just finished playing and then they went to the uh, 
uh, airfield, airport. But anyway, uh, what I was getting at, the, the, the tour took place when, during the coldest months of the year up in that part of the country where it was the tour bus, the heater broke, the bus consistently broke down. One of the drummers wow. got frostbite. Uh, people were getting sick and having the flu. The big bopper had the flu the night that they crashed and they performed. In and fact, as he got on the plane, he's like, man, I'd do anything to get rid of this flu. <laughs> you, you joke, but I'm getting to an actual person who made a joke. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> and and, and I, I remember maybe knowing this, but not remembering it. But Buddy Holly's bassist was none other than Waylon Jennings. Yes, mm. that Waylon Jennings, because Buddy Holly and the Big Bopper were both from Texas. Uh, yeah. And before... Waylon Jennings was an outlaw, a country uh, outlaw uh, country singer. He played with Buddy Holly. They were great friends. The original people who were supposed to be on that plane were Buddy Holly and Waylon Jennings, and uh, I think another member of Buddy Holly's band. But he lost a coin flip to Richie Valens, and then Waylon Jennings gave up his seat to the Big Bopper because the Big Bopper had the flu and just performed. And Waylon Jennings thought he was doing a nice thing, which he was until. You, you know, you think of the alternative. Right, right. And, and this is a perfect, and also the fact that Waylon Jennings lived in his, I love Waylon Jennings. He's a fantastic, uh, was, a, excuse me, he's since passed away, of course, but he was a f- fantastic country singer. One, you know, one of the last, you know, him, Willie Nelson, Christopherson, and Cash formed the Highway, a country supergroup, the Highwaymen. Phenomenal. All four of them were phenomenal in their own right. And I, that's why I don't, li- I don't like modern country music at all, but that era of country music, phenomenal. Yeah. Still fantastic. And, of course, he sang the theme song to the Duke's Hazard. Not the crappy movie, which I think we talked about on the podcast. I actually watched it after we talked about it. It sucked. That movie was <laughs> terrible. The um, modern one, right? Yeah. Because we were talking about LSU Broken Lizard and stuff. And yeah, which is like, which was, oh, yeah, I know that part of the interstate. Yeah. Oh, I know where that is. Yeah. But it shot me. Like, All of a sudden, they're in New Orleans. They should have just made it as a Broken Lizard film without the two stars they had and had the Broken Lizard people do oh, like, yeah, everything. Yeah. And then it would have it fit. But that kind of humor with those guys... They would never give them that much money. That's you're, the problem. You're exactly right. And Jessica yeah. Simpson proved why she should never be in a movie ever. Yeah. I uh, mean, but, that proves the whole system is stupid. Yeah. It fails, fails too much. But anyway, back to the day the music died. Uh, so yeah, so Waylon... And this is, it's a good example of... Think about it. Think what Waylon Jennings did musically after that. Yeah. But he, he didn't die in the plane crash. Now imagine what, you know, Richie Valens start, just starting his career. Uh, Buddy Holly, I'll talk about him in a minute in depth because I became a huge Buddy Holly fan after researching a lot of this. I always liked his music, but learning more about the man and like the drama behind that, really tragic. But uh, anyway, uh, when Buddy Holly found out that Waylon Jennings gave up his seat to the Big Bopper on this plane, he told Waylon, Waylon this is a quote from Waylon Jennings, Buddy Holly said to Waylon, I hope your old bus freezes up. And then Waylon replied, I hope your old plane crashes. And that haunted him for years after that. I bet. I mean, can you imagine? Of course, completely done in jest, both of them. Sure. No one expecting what would happen. You know, today flying is, you know, there are hundreds, thousands of flights every day. Mm -hmm. And although one just went missing over Egypt yesterday... Oh, it did? Yeah. And they think it's terrorism now, so that dates today we're recording this. But that gives, you know, I mean... Back then, it was, you know, uh, consumer aviation was, you know, it was a thing, but it wasn't like today, where it's still, you know, like Chris Reeve says, still, uh, still, still statistically the safest way to fly, uh, travel. So, hmm. but, uh, yeah, so all that, you know, that's, that actually happened. Like, 
that's and you know when you when you think about it, you know, at the time he he was just being nice. This dude's sick. He can't drive in a freezing bus for four hours to the next stop. He needs to get in a plane and rest so he can sing. Take my seat. You know, yeah, thanks, man. You know, and the dude, you know, when the bobber's like, thanks, man, I appreciate. It, you know, and just like, yeah. oh, no problem. Don't worry about. it. I'll see you when you get back. You know, and then they get on that plane and nobody ever sees them alive again. Yeah, it's tragic. Uh, but yeah, um, let me see. Sad. Yeah, Richie Valens. Uh, no, Big Bopper had a baby on the way. But the Big Bopper, he's probably the most least known of the three. Simple, mm-hmm. But although his Chantilly Lace has been covered numerous times, and uh, if you ever heard, I forget the song, Van Halen, but it starts with, Hello, baby. That's referencing the Big Bopper because he's the one who did that first on Chantilly uh. Lace. Uh, but he was, a, he was a really famous DJ in Texas. In fact, I'm not sure if he still holds the Guinness world record, but he had the world record and might still hold the world record for DJing for like 160 hours straight. And in between commercial breaks is when he showered and took little micro naps. But, uh, but he was, at the time, he was a huge name. And Chantilly Lace was a huge hit. But, uh, but a lot of people don't know him now. In fact, he's the only one of the three who's not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Which is sad. There it is. Everybody's heard this song. Yeah. Thing. Do I what? Yeah, but it, it, it's a little spoken word. Then it gets. And if you don't, everybody knows the beginning because I, yeah. I knew that before I knew what it was fucking from. You know, just on knowing, the phone. hello, baby. Yeah, there you go. Hanging yep. down. Yeah, but he's probably the least known. Although every, I mean, this was a significant event in rock and roll history because of the time and how big these people were then. Nobody. Today, people know, most people don't already know Richie Valens today. Like, uh, younger people that, you know, they might have heard La Bamba. In fact, I remember Saved by the Bell, the college years referenced it. And I, and I remember laughing at it, but my brother didn't know what it was because he didn't know. But where they're driving in the car and they hear, and La Bamba comes on the radio and they're all like, la, 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 La Bamba. And they're like, like for the yeah, rest of it because they don't know the word, you know. I'm like, I get that reference. I get that joke. Yeah. But a lot of people don't, although, and then the thing is, uh, people mo- probably know Buddy Holly today because of Weezer. Because of Weezer, yeah. Younger people. And they were like, who the fuck is Buddy Holly? Who the fuck is Mary Tyler Moore? And uh, you know what? Probably, honestly, people probably don't even remember that Weezer when Weezer was good. They probably think of, you know, Beverly Hills Weaver, uh, Weaver, Weezer instead of, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. But anyway. Uh, you look up Buddy Holly on YouTube, first thing that comes up is Weezer. <laughs> But now let's talk about Buddy Holly, Holly for a second. Now I know we're, this is a podcast that so we're talking about La Bamba. We talked all about Richie Valens, uh, educated you on who he was and what he did, the real one and the what happened in the movie and the Big Bopper as well. But it, when talking about this event, it's exceptionally important that you understand Buddy Holly. Uh, if you didn't, first of all, listen to some of his songs. I know you've heard them. Of course, most people think of Peggy Sue. Uh, this is one of my favorites. That'll be the day, based on a, uh, a line from a John Wayne song. And any any documentary you see, this is the song they play when they talk about the plane crash. And then they, every documentary you see is going to end with American Pie playing, mm, guaranteed. Yeah. But anyway, uh, but also, uh, let's, in terms of Buddy Holly had, uh, I think maybe two or three albums released before he died. The first one was with his band. It was Buddy Holly and the Chirping Crickets. Hmm, crickets. That's an insect. You know, another insect is the beetle, <laughs> and also the B E A T L E S beetles. Buddy Holly heavily influenced the Beatles. Mm. 
in fact, uh, Buddy Holly had toured a lot, uh, obviously, because he had albums out with his other band, The Crickets. Uh, he only had Sullivan Show, did a lot of traveling, did a lot of touring. Buddy Holly, when he went overseas, he not only influenced the Beatles, which you can hear direct quotes from Paul McCartney saying how Buddy Holly is one of the biggest influences on the Beatles. And again, they named their band the Beatles after the, the Crick, Buddy Holly and the Crickets. Mm. Uh, but also the Rolling Stones. Two of the biggest and greatest rock and roll bands of all time oh, or give reverence to Buddy Holly. Yeah. A 22-year-old, all of them, you know, it's a tragedy that they're all lost. But let me tell you more about Buddy Holly, because this, this was fascinating as I got into the actual, like, historical side of this. Uh, Buddy Holly, when he toured in Europe, uh, basically, you know, we had the British invasion. When Buddy Holly went over to Europe, it was the, like the Yank invasion to them. Buddy Holly's brand of rock and roll over there influenced, like we said, uh, the Beatles, Rolling Stones, who knows who else. They only did a few dates over there, but his style of playing and his blend of rockabilly, country, and rock and roll at the time was a huge, huge thing at the time. You listen to it now, like, yeah, that sounds like old music, but this was among the first. And, and also, again, this is the time when Ellis's rise to fame as well. Buddy Holly outsold Elvis Presley overseas. Mm. Elvis, and here's why. Elvis never toured outside of the United States except for a couple of dates in Canada. Buddy Holly toured overseas. And that's, and again, going back to why these bands were touring and dealing with these conditions to tour, that's how they got the record sales. That's how they got more money, by touring. But uh, speaking of the Rolling Stones, Rolling Stones' first single in America, uh, I forgot the name. Uh, I got, I'm looking on here. Not Fade Away. Mm. Uh, which, if you, when you hear it, when you hear it, like, oh, I've heard that song before. Yeah, that's a Buddy Holly song. He sung mm. it first. Most people know, though, Peggy Sue. That's usually the one a lot of people that usually think about a lot, like my mom does all the time like you say but i like oh peggy sue no but i like that'll be the day uh not fade away oh boy uh all these songs that you probably heard in episodes of the wonder years or some other shows yeah that you these are all songs you've heard but you might not know who you owe them to uh and all, every honestly the song that most reminds me of buddy holly is every day because it's in big fish when he's uh i think he's walking leaving the circus it's a song that's playing mm. with leaving the circus to go get sandra templeton yeah. So always think of that song with that. But in terms of uh, the music industry, Buddy Holly changed almost everything. Uh, nowadays, you see bands in a studio doing multiple takes and all where all the members are playing in the same room. Beatles yeah. did it. Rolling Stones did it. Uh, over uh, Taking the best cuts of some takes and putting them into one. Doing alternate takes of songs. We're doing it right now. Basically. <laughs> one take. And, <laughs> and guess who came up with that? Buddy Holly was the first one. He... Mm. Pro- he uh, and it's actually shown in uh, the Buddy Holly story with Gary Busey, which is true. Like he produced, like he had almost creative control over their music, to where the stuff that you know, and everything from when you watch Straight Outta Compton to watch walk, watching Walk the Line, all that stuff. Uh, not not some of the early Walk the Line stuff, which is anachronistically incorrect with how they were recorded uh, for the time but with them, all the musicians in the room, but usually they record them singularly, and then the singer would come in, not play the instrument, but just sing the track. Right. No, they did it. They based, What you're hearing when you listen to Buddy Holly stuff, as opposed to, say, Richie Valens stuff, no disrespect, you're listening to a, the band play live, and yeah. you're listening to, to the best take, and maybe you know, a, a snippet or two from a different take just to fix one error. Like, you're listening to almost a live performance. And in fact, when you watch, when you watch if you YouTube any of his live performances, it's like, it sound that fucking good. Yeah. And that was the talent of Buddy Holly. 
uh, and the innovation that he had on the music industry. Mo any any rock band today, whether you know it or not, you were doing your when you're, if you're recording, you were doing something that was pioneered by Buddy Holly. Mm. And again, the, the the music we don't have because these three people died. Uh, it's, it's it's really tragic and. Uh, but it's more on the real event. But like I mentioned, Big Bopper's wife and Buddy Holly's wife were pregnant at the time of the crash. Uh, however, uh, Buddy Holly's wife, and this is the this is like the nail in the coffin, uh, bad bad analogy. This is like the thing that just like oh god, like yeah, just drives it home. His wife had a miscarriage when she heard the news, not mm. because she was told by somebody, but because it was on the television. She found out. Wow. By watching television, the same way in La Bamba that Richie Valens family found out because it was on the radio. And because of this, because the victims weren't notified before it was released to the press, this plane crash is the reason that when a plane does crash, you don't know who, they don't release the names of the victims until after notification next to Kim. Wow. Because of this plane crash. Uh, so that's why we don't have a Buddy Holly Jr., uh, which we did have a Big Bopper Jr., mm. who didn't know his dad, but he, he started basically using the name and performing his dad's songs and his own stuff. Never to the level his dad did for the time. Sure, I never heard of him. Exactly. But he did <laughs> pass away not too long ago. Uh, yeah. Let me see. Uh, yeah, like I mentioned, Valance was rock induct inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2001. Holly went in 1986. He was one of the first ones, rightfully so, especially after you kind of, hopefully I've educated you if you didn't already know, you know, hit exactly what Buddy Holly meant to music, especially at this time. Uh, and as I mentioned, Big Bopper, whose real name, by the way, is J.P. Richardson, I don't think I ever said that. Still isn't in. Uh, his son campaigned up until his death in 2013 uh, to get him in. And it's really unfortunate because, yeah, he's the least probably well-known of them, even though Chant Chantilly Lace is probably more popular or more well-known than most of maybe Valens' stuff these days at least. Uh, it's a real shame that he's not in there with the other people that, you know, he died with. Uh, very sad. Mm. But uh, as I mentioned, yeah, Buddy Holly's story, yeah. So... It's just, it's a, it's an amazing story to me, you know. Unfortunately, and in, in how it ends is incredibly tragic for all three of these gentlemen. Uh, but again, just listen to their music because you know that's the one thing. Uh, in fact, the Buddy Holly story ends, it ends better than La Bamba. La Bamba ends with uh, that song Sleepwalk playing, and then Richie, his brother screaming on a bridge. Hmm. Uh, not a very good ending. Uh, where the Buddy Holly story ends with a little thing saying, you know, they don't even go to the airport. They just end with that performance, and then, you know, Buddy Holly died later that night, and the rest is rock and roll. And that's that's so true, because that's, they're legends now. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, in fact, I was, somebody on IMDb posted, like, you know, I don't mean to be crude, but, you know, dying in a plane crash is probably the best thing that happened for these guys, because this was on the verge of the Beatles and Elvis, take, you know, and, and at first I'm like, hmm, maybe that guy has a point. And then I researched what each of these the lives of each of these three people, it's complete bullshit. Mm. Especially Buddy Holly inspired the Beatles. And uh, all, these, all these acts at the time, because like, they had the Louisiana Hayride back in the day, where Johnny Cash and Elvis played all around the South. Mm. That was the tour that just went on, sort of like Austin City Limits before it became so like, uh -huh. sta you know, stationary. You used to travel around and stuff uh, like that. It used to be a name like, for a, gr a touring thing. So to speak, you know that, that all these guys knew each other, like they were, and they were all like, "Oh shit," you know. Uh, well, Cash is doing that. Let me let me try that. You know, same thing with Elvis, and uh, and one and oh, I just it just came to me for some reason. But one of the things Paul McCartney said about Buddy Holly again to touch on that is that they loved Buddy Holly more than Elvis because Buddy Holly 
did everything. He played the instruments. He wrote the songs. He performed the songs. Elvis didn't write his own stuff. Yeah. No, nothing. Elvis is the king, bar none. But he's a performer. He's Justin Bieber back. <laughs> yeah, and you know, not that's a disservice to Elvis. I know. But yeah, I, <laughs> I know. It, it does make sense. But Buddy Holly was the real deal. Not that Elvis wasn't. I love Elvis Presley. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's just it's an absolutely tragic story. And the more I read it, I was like, God, like I. I I understood it now. And then, to be perfectly honest for you, when I listened to American Pie after uh, watching these films, re-listening to the soundtrack, uh, listening to their music over and over all day, because I can actually play it in my showroom at my office, because it's, you know, it's yeah. acceptable for work. You know, it's sure it's elevator music these days for the most part, <laughs> unfortunately, so to speak. Uh, but then, when I listened to American Pie after the knowledge and learning and kind of empathizing with like the humanity behind this story. It's like that song hits you in a whole nother level. Mm. Like when you listen to the lyrics and you're hearing it, like when the plane took off into the night to light the sacrificial, right. I saw Satan laughing with the light the, the day, the music that's like, damn. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, poetry. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And you know, Dom, even though that's not Don McLean's biggest hit, his biggest hit's a song called Vincent about Vincent Van Gogh. But, uh, you know, that is it. Yeah. <laughs> I want uh, that was on like some tri- like that was money rock- wise or I think so that was like rock and roll okay, like a rock cause... and roll Jeopardy like thing I remember from back in the day I was like wait a second I haven't even heard that song yeah I would that say... was his biggest com- I, 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 uh, there's verbiage on that on that yeah, fact I'm commercial hit maybe yeah there, there's some fact on that where it's because yeah most people would say name a Don McLean song yeah Mary nobody's Pop. gonna name anything yeah other than <laughs> I mean I can because I knew that I watched right, rock and roll Jeopardy because the the host sh- the chick that hosted opposite Jeff but Probst if we were playing uh, if we were Contributing to or, what's that game? Family Feud. Yeah, <laughs> there's two choices we on of the, the hundred, <laughs> and, it, and like 99, 99 when it flips over, ninety nine for American Pie, and the one, one answer Vincent. is Vincent. Yeah, that's it. Did you see? I just got just quick. Did you see the uh, Always Sunny where they were on fa- the Family Feud type game? True. It was the last, It was this past season. I must have seen it. Then. It was yeah. so good. Oh my god! <laughs> Just to, in case I forget to mention it later, I'll have to get If back. you haven't seen it, watch yeah. it. It's it's so funny because I was thinking, you know, you know, they they, they do the survey, so it's like name a Don McLean song, and they, you know, everybody's never combined. Then it's me, yeah, Vincent, yeah, and that's that's the one that plays into oh, the okay. Always Sunny episode. But anyway, I I strongly urge you that, uh, especially if you're a young person, don't even know what the fuck we're talking about. If this is news to you. Uh, watch La Bamba, watch the Buddy Holly story. Go to, you know, pull out your phone, open up iTunes, and get Buddy Holly's greatest hits. Get the soundtrack to La Bamba. I'm not sure if the soundtrack's on iTunes or not, but uh, listen to the, these these songs. You know, watch the documentaries they have on YouTube, especially again behind the music. VH1's behind the, VH1's behind the music. The day the music died, it's on YouTube. The whole thing, bad quality, but you you get the gist and everything. It's just it's a fantastic and heart wrenching story. Uh, of truly a day where music died. This was this was a catastrophic event for music when this happened. Mm. By today's standards, you look back, and I was ignorant as well. I didn't like you know. Oh, anyway, it sucks, you know. But now with an understanding of like how big these people were and like what they meant to music at the time, mm-hmm. this was catastrophic. This was the nine eleven of rock and roll history. Wow. Uh, you know, I mean, of course, you know, you have uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan dying in a plane crash or a helicopter crash, I yeah. think, with him, or you have uh, Leonard Skinner, but that wasn't, that was one group. I'm not discounting those people by any stretch of the imagination. You know, that was a tra- all tragedies, but when you have the three of the biggest names at the time dying in a plane crash, 
all at one time at the, you know, not even at their peak yet of their career. It's, it's an absolute tragedy. Uh, but again, the rest is rock and roll and their music lives on. So, uh, and it, the music is still good. And we talked about covers, uh, about, you know, mentioned like, you know, Hurt with Johnny, it was last episode or this one, I don't remember when it was. They all bleed together for me. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, their remake of Hurt, we talked about last week or earlier this episode, whichever one it was. But then, here's a contrast, Madonna covers American Pie and it's, oh, a, gosh. it's dog shit. Why the hell should you do that? They're, like that's 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 one of, like that's an untouchable song almost like mm-hmm. because it was Don McLean, you know, basic basically a one hit wonder, but what a one hit, yeah, a poetic, heartfelt, beautiful one hit song to be known for than that one because he looked up to Buddy Holly, he wanted to be Buddy Holly, he admired Buddy Holly, and then that's, I mean, he wrote it about the event, but it's American Pie is pretty much for Buddy Holly in terms of hmm. how, how that, he was the biggest influence on Don McLean. But again, Richie Valance influenced numerous acts. He broke, he broke racial barriers, and Buddy Holly did as well. And he was the, he, Buddy Holly was the first white act, and the crickets were the first white act to ever play at the Apollo. In fact, there's a great scene in the Buddy Holly story where, he, where the curtain moves and the all-black audience see Buddy Holly, and they're like talking, and they all go, you hear a pin drop, because a white guy's playing at the Apollo. And then he starts playing, and brings the house down because bucket music doesn't have a color it just has a sound and how it makes you feel and that's the only thing that's important with it and mm-hmm. numerous singers have done that uh not just buddy holly of course but again at the time they all they all had their degrees of of uh things to overcome in fact when they heard buddy holly's demo the record producer thought it was a black guy hmm. and and actually wanted to sign them based on getting an act to shop in that market and when, like, wait, you're white? Well, white wow. Because he was... kind of nerdy looking. I could work with that. Yeah. Well, the nerd <laughs> thing's great. We'll go with the nerd <laughs> thing instead. You know, but, uh, and it's, it's really tell, like, uh, you know, a lot of people like, you know, you know, musicians, younger people these days, yeah, man, our, Guns N' Roses were a really big influence, you know. I like some of the older guys too, like, you know, Zeppelin and, you know, that stuff. Well, the thing is, I urge, and, and this goes for film too, like directors and stuff like that. The, the ones, the artists that you like also invest on who influenced them because they're who they are by who influenced them. Bef- you're, they're, they're referencing who came before them in a sense. Uh, uh, and, uh, you know, like if, when, you, when you hear the Beatles, you're hearing reminiscent, uh, reminiscent sounding uh, sounds from influence of not just Buddy Holly, but other things as well that influenced them. You know, you're, and they're, of course, what they did with it, what they, how they made it their own. And when you hear all that and you take that into consideration when you're ever you're watching, you know, when you watch a movie and I'll, I'll, you know, like when I see the uh, Civil War or, or uh, Winter Soldier, the Rousseau brothers, like I can, like, God, these, these, uh, these guys loved 80s action movies. They, yeah. you, can, you can watch it and tell. And it's, it's relevant in how they modernized that type of filmmaking with practical, physical effects. People actually find it's not CG, you know, great stuff. And it goes, and it goes, especially with music and all, anything, and art as well. It it all comes uh, to that. That you know, if you if you really like Guns N' Roses, or like I, I love you too, but I like I also went and listened to the, the groups that inspired them. You know, and they had different inspirations, different points in their career. They had you know the blues, and they were doing rattle and hum. And they had more rock stuff back in the day. I mean, the, the Police influenced you too because they were big. You know, the Police were the you uh, too basically when the Police. The police peaked and then kind of not bowed out, but 
then U2 took over. They, and there was, in fact, there was a symbolic scene, I think, at Live Aid where U2 was coming on after the police and Sting gave his bass to Larry Mullen, I mean, uh, Adam Clayton or something like that. Or one of them gave the guitar to Bono. And it's, that's considered symbolic of that's when U2 arrived. Mm-hmm. That's when the police, like, you know, they, uh, not that they weren't so good or big, but that's when sort of a torch was being passed, in a sense, for pop, rock, uh, rock and roll at the time. You know, so there's a lot of history in, in music, not, you know, you know, behind the music. Right. There's a lot, you know, unfortunately that show's not on the air anymore because that, I, I never miss an episode of Behind the Music. Uh, but there's a lot of stuff there. And, you know, in closing on that, this, you know, seek that out. You know, getting real for a minute here on Asia Visited. <laughs> uh, but uh, as far as this movie goes, uh, critically, eh, it's really not, it's not bad, but it's not special. There's nothing really you know, fantastic about it that kind of separate, you know, makes it stand above, uh, even say the Buddy Holly story, which I would say is a better, uh, much better uh, film in regards. But I, uh, critically, I'd give La Bamba probably about a six, you know, just middle of the road, not bad, not great. Uh, as for me, I'd give the soundtrack a fucking nine because I love the soundtrack, but I'd give mm. the film probably about the, uh, you know, six, seven, let's just say a 6.5. It's not bad. It's just, again, there's not much to, to go over in Richie Valens' career, because it unfortunately, again, cut right at the, you know right as he, the rocket was taken off. Uh, so you know, regardless, in regard, ir- uh, not irregardless, because that's not a word. Regardless, mm. it's a it's a tragedy on all counts. But uh, just seek out the real story and uh, watch the Buddy Holly story as well. If you like La Bamba, revisit them both because it's really weird seeing a young, coherent Gary Busey <laughs> singing and playing guitar. For the head injury. And it's, yeah, exactly. Because in fact, if you watch that, if you watch uh, the Buddy Holly story, then watch the Behind the Music uh, that we mentioned, where they interview Gary Busey because he played Buddy Holly, like, yeah, that's post-accident. You can tell. Mm. Uh, unfortunately. Although, unfortunately. love Gary Busey to death. Talk to him on the phone. You know, some people get to meet celebrities. I got to talk to Gary Busey on the phone. He told me to fly over the mountain like an eagle because <laughs> that's all you can do because that's how life is. So... Unfortunately, you know, I had a flip phone at the time, no modern technology to where I could have actually recorded the call. And, or at FaceTime. You know, exactly. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. But love Gary Busey. He's awesome. But anyway, in the real world, when the film released, uh, July 24th, 1987, uh, a few days before on July 17th, the Dow Jones closes above the 2500 mark for the first time at 2510.04. Uh, really, who cares about that on this podcast? But here's some movie info. Mm. Uh, again, the film opened July 24th. Number one that weekend, uh, La Bamba opened at number four. Excuse me, number five. Didn't even top number one. Number one was fucking RoboCop for the second week at number one. Rightfully so, by the way. Mm. Uh, number two that week was Snow, uh, the reissue of Snow White and the Seven Drawers when it came back into theaters for the anniversary. It was second. Uh, number, uh, let me see, number... I said I didn't put number three for some reason, but number four was Superman 4, The Quest for Peace, mm. the worst in the series. Mm. Uh, that beat La Bamba. La Bamba opened at number five. However, it did beat Jaws 4, which was in its second week, and it beat it by two million for opening weekend. Mm. So, strangely enough, I mean, but still, it opened with, uh, where's my, nope, oh, wrong sheet. It opened at, what did I say, like five... Yeah, it opened at five point six in nineteen eighty seven dollars. Still a good opening, but it had a crowded box office that week. And in fact, all of the numbers for the films they were all within two million of each other. So it was 
no, but not, but neither but neither La Bamba or Superman Four, which opened, could beat either of the uh, two last uh, films from the previous week uh, that held over at number one, especially RoboCop, because it's fucking RoboCop. Right. So, understand, understandable. Uh, back to the future this week. We're going to teach you how to speak a little Spanish. <laughs> and to also understand the words of La Bamba. So if you don't care about that, you can turn it off. We'll see you next week. But if you want to learn something, because I know as a kid, I'd just be like, uh, la, 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 La Bamba. Nah, bro, there's words there. <laughs> so first of all, here's in Spanish, and I'm sorry if I get the, word, the inflection wrong, but it's para bailar La Bamba, which means to dance the Bamba, because the Bamba is a dance. Uh, and then, of course, that repeats. And then, si necesita un poco de gracia. One needs a bit of grace. Un poco de gracia para mí y para ti. A bit of grace for me, for you. Ya arriba, ya arriba. Now come on, come on. Por ti seré, por ti seré. For you I'll be, for you I'll be, for you I'll be. Whatever that's supposed to be. I don't know. And then, yo, yo no soy maninero. I'm not a sailor. And then, of course, the next line that everybody should be able to understand what it means. Soy capitán, soy capitán. I'm captain. I'm, I'm captain. the captain now. And it's I'm so funny captain. you mentioned that because when me and Autumn, were, I was telling her the translation. Right. We all, I had her look up the word for I'm. So we now, uh, I mean, uh, now. And I, forget, I done forgot what it was, but now, because we always, whenever time somebody says captain, we always joke, like, I'm the captain now. No, I'm the captain now. Like, I guess most people do that saw Captain Phillips, sure. which if you haven't, you should because it's a great, fantastic movie. Mm. So she looked it up and then I learned, and then uh, I think that's the, exact, that's the exact same page that I printed out that you pulled up oh, really? with the yeah. translation. But anyway, yeah, so uh, soy capitán, now, soy whatever capitán. now is in Spanish. I knew it for like a day and then forgot it. So but we, it's so funny you mentioned that because it's, it's literally the first thing we did. Right. And then bamba, bamba, blah, blah. And then it basically repeats the same, it's the, you know, basically the two verses over and over. Uh, so yeah, para bailar la bamba. Not la 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 bamba, which I thought it was for years and years and years because I, well, hey, when it came out, they didn't have the internet, so I couldn't look it up and I didn't know any Spanish speaking people because we learned French in school at the time. So, never knew. But yeah, there's a little micro Spanish lesson. So, hmm. next time you hear la bamba on the radio, you should at least be able to say para bailar la bamba. Para, para bailar la bamba. And, and someone says, oh, wow, you know the words to la bamba? Like, yeah, it's uh, to dance the bamba. And modernity. Yeah, modernity. Modernity. See, I can do it now. I just, I, I, <laughs> that's what it took. I had, I had to get my brain to see it phonetically spelled out to get the wires uncrossed. Modernity. But yeah, that's... And you know what? We, we're going a little long, but who cares? Uh, I did see a couple of films recently. Let's go ahead and add some actual Back to the Future stuff in All right. as well. Uh, I, mean, I talked to you about this off the air first, but I saw Gods of Egypt. Uh-huh. Uh, skip it. I watched it so you didn't have to. Now, if you like bad movies, you should watch it. Put it to you that way. Uh, I watched it because Alex Proyas directed it, director of The Crow, Dark City, iRobot. Loved his previous work. Uh, This film is shit (laughs) compared to his previous stuff. Uh, As me and my wife were watching it, uh, let me put it this way. There's some good stuff there, but it doesn't make it to the screen in a form that's acceptable. Uh, the effects are straight out of 1990, uh, mummy era effects, which were not bad for the time, but these days, especially, you know, after just seeing Civil War in the theater and like, okay, you know, there's a little standard here that needs to be met for a modern film. Uh, and oh yeah, uh, all the gods of Egypt speak English. I mean, uh, 
English accents, I should say. Yeah. They do speak English. Uh, there's Black Panther, by the way. Chadwick Boseman, I think, is his name, which mm. I was like, it was good to see him because I'd just seen Civil War, obviously, and he's Black Panther, but he's in Gods of Egypt, and yeah. But uh, it's it's a bad movie. It's not so bad, it's good. Uh, but if, it's one of, if, if you like watching movies that are bad, I would recommend it. But if, if you like, oh, I wanted to see that. It looked good. No, it's not good. Mm. It is not good. Leave it alone. Uh, Jamie Lannister plays himself, as in he plays Jamie Lannister, which I like. Nic- Nicholas something, Coster Waldo. Yeah, Nicholas yeah. something. He's not a bad actor, but he's playing Jamie Lannister in this film. And Gerard Butler, who's playing opposite of him as the villain, is playing the same character he plays in every film, which has become Leonidas. Uh, and oh yeah, surprise cameo by Jeffrey Rush on a spaceship. <laughs> so if that intrigues you, by all means, <laughs> dive in. Waste an hour, or two, excuse me, two hours and seven minutes <laughs> of your life. Uh, although I can, uh, it's PG. It's got some decent action in a few scenes. I'm trying not to be too negative. I can see how kids would like this film. I'm DB staff did not like this film. Rightfully so. Two point five. Yeah. Average. Yeah. It's. I wouldn't say it's that. I mean, it's bad, but it, I mean, 2.5 to me is like Sharknado. Right. I mean, that's like garbage film. Uh, but anyway, like I could see young kids, 10 years old, so they might really like the film just because it's pretty. Uh, Look at these percentages. Most, I mean, the most percentage is six, then drops and drops and drops, and then all of a sudden jumps back up at 10. That's crazy. I mean, you got to imagine that some people right here. Oh, I see so, what you're saying. Yeah. Some people. It's got to be some fake votes in there. Oh, yeah. Well, that and also, there, there's always those people that because it's bad, they think it's great. The same people like, oh, Force Awakens is stupid. Well, if you think that, you're fucking wrong. Mm. There's always those people that either, they, get, they have to be on the opposite side. You can get a good average if you um, take away the 10, take away the 1, and see what the average is. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. some people are just going to be critical like that. That's true. Uh, but anyway, uh, I forgot what's going on. Yeah, but uh, it's... If you like my movies, check it out. If not, skip it. You should, but however, if you have the choice, excuse me, instead of watching Gods of Egypt, you should watch 10 Cloverfield Lane because mm. that one was really good. Yeah, it was. Uh, not to spoil anything, uh, but that was, you know, remind me of our discussion about The Hateful Eight, and except that's just three people in a room for the mm. most part. Oh, yeah. And yeah. John Goodman kills it, as usual. <laughs> yeah, ha, yeah. ha, 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 wink. Uh, and then... I've always love mary elizabeth winstead uh yeah. i've always been attracted i mean she's always been hot you know that's always like oh she's pretty and all that but uh that's, of course what's uh, that movie scott, scott pilgrim but, yeah, yeah she's one. uh i forgot the name of the character but she was in that she, uh but she was also in death proof mm. she was like the cheerleader the kind of the dumb one she was in the black christmas remake which wasn't even that bad of a remake to be honest uh and of course uh this but i think she's been uh, she was in uh abraham lincoln vampire hunter She's been a good... She's always like kind of a supporting or bit role kind of character. Uh, she's had a... Oh, she was in the... Re, uh, not the remake of the thing because it wasn't a remake. It was mm. a prequel, which wasn't terrible, but it's worth watching. Uh, but she hasn't really been a, like the leading lady in many things. Right. Uh, but she was fan... She was good in the thing. She well, was good in Scott Pilgrim. She was leading lady in this. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, but, and she yeah. was fantastic in this. But, you know, it's like... She's been around for a long time. Uh so, but yeah, Tin Color for Lane, fantastic. I really enjoyed it. I was really interested just because of the trailer. The trailer did a great job of kind of 
not revealing too much and leaving yeah, it mysterious really and had a great cover of I Think We're Alone Now on the trailer, which mm-hmm. shows up in the movie too. But it's, uh, I really recommend that one. It's really good. Uh, it reminded me, it's a little bit, uh, I lost the comparison I was going to make, but so fuck it. Just go see it. Mind you of Cloverfield. Yeah. Well, no, not at all. Yeah. <laughs> which is strange. Well, why, well I don't want to, you know, yeah. This is spoiler free for it. So just watch it well, and I see what you think. the name. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's 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 really good. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh I would, that's one I wish I would have seen at the theater but I had to watch it on digital. Yeah. Uh because it our my theater that I go to is remodeling to have all the uh the fancy stuff. Fancy seats. So they had to close half their theater, so this one went out really quick. And they haven't been showing any of the classic films, which has been bugging me. <laughs> Uh, although I did check and it wasn't anything, another showing of Ferris Bueller's, but I don't need to see that one in the theater. Mm-hmm. But anyway, everybody, thank you for listening. Leave us in, uh, a review if you don't mind. Let us know how we're doing. Drop us a line on an email if you don't want to send a public review, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, visited at gmail.com. Let me know if you watch Gods of Egypt and if you loved it. We'll talk about it. Uh, also check us out on Facebook and Twitter and the internet at awesomepods.com or just at awesomepods. Uh, of course, Awesome Podcast Network. Geekly Dose, Duo Attack, the Jesse Sedgley Podcast, Why Don't You Know This, Republic City Report, all those classic episodes if you want to check them out, please do. And also don't forget our good friends in Lafayette, John and James with the Now Versus Nostalgia Podcast, and our new friends, not across the pond, across the entire side of the world in Australia, uh, Ben Wyatt with the Asia Mania Podcast. Give him a listen. I still haven't listened to any Ben because we record these two in a row. So <laughs> so we just mentioned it We just mentioned it an hour, an hour ago. ago. So... <laughs> But yeah, give our good friends a listen, uh, both in Australia and right down the road from us in Lafayette. We'd appreciate it, and I'm sure they'll appreciate it as well. Uh, it's just good times to be had by all. And then we're closing down on, this was, uh, what, 178, I think? Of what? Are that, this was episode 178? No, 149, right? This, uh, let's, <laughs> let me make sure before I say we're what movie's the 140s. next. still in 140s. Let me see, because on... Sorry for the dead air. Just looking it up. Yeah. So we, we, let's see. Yeah, one, yeah. 145 was Deep Star 6, according you to You said iTunes. 178. Oh, wait. Oh, I'm, did I literally say that? I'm yeah, sorry. That's all I was I'm like. I'm 147. One, okay. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> you're like, we're still in the 40s. I'm like, yeah, I said that. I'm thinking like, I said Oh, we're, okay. Well, okay. the listeners know. <laughs> My mistake. 147. Okay, sure. So, okay, just making sure. Because that means next week is we're going uh, from, you know, a, Actually, a tale. Actually, this, this one's 149. Oh, 148. Okay, yeah. So yeah. next week is 149. One before yeah. 150. Okay, so yeah. next week, before the big 150th episode, numerically at least, uh, sure. we've got one more film before that one. Uh, but anyway, next week's film for 149, we're going from 1950s America to 1600s Scotland, and then to mm-hmm. 1980s America, and then back to Scotland, and then back to America, repeatedly oh, as we go through about flashbacks. time. As we cover the 80s classic and 90s classic and early 2000s classic because that franchise lasted that long. Yeah. If you haven't guessed it yet, if you're, if you're scratching, you're like, oh, what is that movie? And you're about to say it. Soundtrack by Queen. One of the best soundtracks of all time. Come on now. Raiden. Before he was Raiden. <laughs> when he went by a different name of McLeod. Of course, we're talking about the 80s classic Highlander. Yes. One of... My favorite 80s uh, sword fighting movies. This is one of the VHSs I played the hell out of. Oh, yeah. And I regretfully have to say the second one 
Not as much. I did have it on VHS though. Couldn't afford uh, it. That's okay. <laughs> oh my god, that's a we story we get, first to, one. we get to talk about next week. Yeah, but yeah. So in preparation for next week, your homework assignment, uh, homework assignment is to a watch Highlander. Stop at one. Maybe go to the show. The show was kind of hit or miss for me. Watch Highlander, then stop watching Highlander. <laughs> yeah, watch, watch, watch the direct. Uh, we'll talk about that later about the director's cut of the first one and I. But uh, watch Highlander, and if you don't own it, shame on you, Queen. It's a kind of magic, or some kind of. Ma- I think the album. I think it's some kind of ma- or a kind of magic. Maybe it might be the the album name. Oh, uh, well, you'll find out next time. Yeah, just find out. I'll double check. But uh, buy the album if you don't own it, because you should. It has all the music from Highlander. And some other fantastic songs because the music from this film uh, that we're going to be talking about, much like this week with La Bamba, the soundtrack is phenomenal. It's some badass Queen, which is as usual for Queen. So, yep. but anyway, till next week, I am Trey Harris, Jesse Sedgwick. Were you waiting for that? Yes, <laughs> I thought about it on the way over. I was like, I, I, I need. I didn't have a pin in my crook. I was like, I should write that down because I'm going to forget it like I always do. Right, and it's like. But thankfully, as we're talking, like, oh yeah, oh yeah, 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 building up, building I got up, it. I got it, <laughs> got it. Find this show and more on Facebook.com/slash. Awesome Pods. And follow us on Twitter at Awesome Pods.